Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about If Beale Street Could Talk, which everyone's been looking forward to. Yes. We've been looking forward to it. It's um, directed, it's written for the screen and directed by Barry Jenkins of Moonlight fame. Yes. Which won the Oscar just just a couple of years ago. Yes, from Moonlight. Snatched it from under La La Land's nose. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it's based on the novel of the same name by James Baldwin, mm. a great African-American intellectual and writer mm. and novelist and debater and all sorts from the uh, mid-20th century. That's right. It's about this uh, young girl called Tish, who's 18 years old, 19, and her boyfriend, uh, Fonny, or Alonzo. Uh, they're played by Kiki Lane and Stephen James. Um, they're very much in love. The film opens beautifully with them together. And... Um, he is revealed to be in jail on accusation of uh, rape mm. of a Puerto Rican woman. Tish reveals to him that she's pregnant. So a kind of multi-stranded uh, plot develops with her on the outside of prison trying to cope with the stress of him being in jail, um, the, the case that they're trying to they're trying to track down the woman because they think because they think there's no way he could have done it. So they're trying to prove that. Well, they know there's no way he could have done they it. They know there's no way he could have done it. She was with them, and right, the friend yes. was with them. And um, and um, they they so they, yeah they they think um, the woman has been coached or or kind of um, talked into or just convinced into saying that he did it when yes. there's no way he could have. Um, there's a cop who uh, has, has got got something in. For him, um, and the, and you know, so there's there's the pregnancy, there's the, the the way the two families kind of cope with the news, and there's just an incredible kind of heartfelt sense of drama and romance behind everything and mm. humanity. Mm. There's there's essentially two plot strands that are set up. So there's the kind of main plot, which happens in quote unquote the present day. Mm. This is in Harlem in the um, early seventies, late sixties. Yeah, I would have. Said like late sixties, early seventies. Yeah, yeah. Um, the novel came out in seventy four, I think. Okay, so this is when it's set, and uh, so you've got the main plot which deals with that, which is while while Alonzo is in jail, um, and they're trying to track down this woman and, and deal with the pregnancy in this. But then it also jumps into flashback a number of times, mm. uh, where you see the two of them falling in love and and their relationship developing, and you see um, them as children. And, yeah, they knew, they've known yeah. each other since they were very 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 young kids. Then it becomes them falling in love and, and getting a place together and things like this. And so there's a kind of logic in the way the two stories are told because they're both told chronologically in their own way. But the way they're edited, the way the film jumps back and forth between them, when it chooses to and where exactly it chooses to jump to, mm. is is really intuitive. There's kind of there's a there's an instinctive quality to that. I think. Mm. Yes. There's something Terence Malick about it. I think. Well, I thought it was too too self consciously poetic. I mean, I think, you know, the the film is aiming for a kind of poetry, really. Um, and in many ways it succeeds. But I also find it a bit stiff. Yeah, Really? I do. I thought there was an unbelievable depth of feeling to the entire thing, and I was just in love with it throughout. Oh. Um, I, 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 I was too, but there were some moments where you just feel that it feels kind of contrived, really. Um, 
I can understand what you mean about it feeling kind of self-consciously poetic. There are shots of, for instance, Alonso's sculpture. He's a sculptor and he, he makes things out of wood. And there are, there are these points where the camera kind of uh, tracks around the sculpture in, in 360 degrees and, and just very, very slowly. And it just focuses on this thing for a long time. And then another shot will kind of fade in over the top. And I can see what you mean about that kind of... It might be trying to get at something that it doesn't quite reach, maybe. You know, when I was looking, when the, the film opens with this wonderful phrase of uh, um, Baldwin's, where, you know, he says something like, there's a Beale Street in every city in America, you know, it's kind of, it's the black neighborhood. And then it says something like, where lives are lived to the sound of the drums or something like that. Yeah, yeah it started with explaining that Beale Street is a real street in New Orleans. Yes. Uh, and then it says, but Beale Street really speaks for every black place in America. Right. The black experience in America, really. Right. But what I was getting at was yeah. that phrase about the drums. Yes. You know, because I thought, you know, this is a film that has no drums in it. It has violins, right? And it has saxes. Yeah. And it, it has sadness, <laughs> right? Um, but it doesn't have the anger, you know? So I think what Baldwin, I mean, Baldwin is arguably the most important writer in my life. I mean, I kind of, I came to him as a teenager, you know, and he's kind of someone who means a lot to me and I can recite phrases, you know, from, from, from some of his novels and essays still. Um, and there was always kind of, I mean, the thing about, about Baldwin's prose is there's always, it's, it's always on the verge of excess, right? It's kind of, it's almost like biblical writing, right? You know, kind of really beautiful and controlled, but almost kind of on the verge of, yeah, going purple, mm. yeah? Um, so, and part of that, I think what the two things that to me kind of describe it is a, a sense of anger, you know, at, at injustice, yeah. really. And on the other hand, like a kind of an immense amount of love, you know, so it's kind of like that this anger is kind of enveloped and seeped through and, you know, kind of um, made manageable by by love. And I think what this film has, it has the love, but it transmutes the anger into sadness, which I think is kind of disempowering. I, I know what you mean. I think that that what you point out about the the opening text that that starts the film off um, doesn't quite match mm. what you see in the rest of the film, really. Yeah. Um, and and I think there's, there's something almost kind of, and this is, would come from the original novel as well, there's something kind of presumptuous about the phrase, if Beale Street could talk, mm. with Beale Street kind of standing in for the black experience as a whole, mm. because it's it's sort of trying to say, this is... This this speaks for an entirety of Black American experience, which it kind of can't. Nonetheless, there is a sort of um, it and tries to though. Yeah, and you're, and you're right that the lack of anger is uh, is an omission in a way. But um, but I think it's a little reductive to say that it just turns into sadness. I think it's more. Than, I think there's a kind of coping that you see. You as, do see that. Um, um, as opposed to just being sad, like they're, all, they're, they're trying to work through their problems and there's a resistance to the, the, the structures that have put them where they are that have, that have, given, that have created the problems. Well, what you, what you see very clearly in the film is everybody coping. 
Yeah, in one way or another, yeah. right? Either through religion or theft or, you know, kind of ev everybody is trying to manage this, the, the world as, you know, that they find that's kind of not of their own making. Um, and the film is very careful about kind of showing you structures, right? So it kind of, you know, in some scenes you have photographs of, you know, other similar injustices that have happened, you know, historically. Sometimes it kind of, it brings people within the narrative into history. So, you know, when you see the woman who's being raped, you originally see her in the same type of photograph, you know, as you see kind of men being arrested or men in jail or, yeah. Yeah. Like, um, so it kind of, it puts her into history in a way. Um, so all of that, I thought, you know, was very beautiful. I mean, you know, there were things I, 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 I was very moved by it, don't get me wrong. And there were some things where I almost just kind of gasped, really, that was so beautiful. You know, so at the very opening shots of the film, when you see the young couple coming into view, right, and they were, they were just so beautiful, really. And the beauty was in the skin. You know, there was something about the way that they were lit and that they were dressed, you know, and they were just beautiful. I think you can tell by the way that Barry Jenkins films faces mm. that he loves people somehow. Mm. There's 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 detail and time taken to look at every part of someone's face. Just these beautiful shallow focus close ups. Yes. You sit right up close and you have time to just and they look right at you, you know, they look into the lens or just yes. past it. I think that's right. Um, but there were other things that I didn't feel were as successful. So, for example, I thought a lot of the scenes with the family, you know, there were moments that were quite stilted. I thought, you know, the mother-in-law, which is one of the most vivid memories of my reading the book, you know, in the 70s, was, was, was kind of stilted, really. Um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 think, I think there's a real self-conscious attempt to be poetic and there isn't the, f the freedom or liveness or control to just let it flow yet, right? Everything is kind of too controlled, too purposeful, right? Like kind of, um, and in a way that I think kind of, for me, worked against the film. Um, so, and that, I'm saying it, uh, you know, I, again, I feel like I did with Moonlight. There's so much I admire, there's so much I love about it, you know, but kind of there are things that to me just don't feel quite right, really. I thought, for example, the whole scene where they go, you know, and they're trying to rent the loft, right? And they've been turned down by everybody and they're confronting all this racism and just renting a flat, you know, and then this nice Jewish man lets it to them and they, they do this playhouse thing. You could see what the director was intending with that. Kind of, you know, something kind of charming and magical and loving and... You know, almost something out of a romantic comedy, but like a fairy tale, right? You mm. you could see the intent behind that, but it wasn't realized. Like, you saw the self-conscious attempt at kind of evoking that. It worked for me, oh. i got to say. You know, what you're saying about it kind of not flowing, I just, I, that's just not how I felt. I felt it flowed really beautifully. And like what I said about about when it chooses to go back into the flashback and then come back into the to the, the, the present day. And where it chooses to go to. Exactly. Well, that that like, aspect worked. Flows really beautifully. Okay, that aspect worked well up to a point. So actually, I think structurally, I liked all of that. Mm. I liked, you know, the interconnecting but parallel structure uh, of the narrative. I think I think it worked very well. I didn't like the amount of voiceover. 
I, 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 I actually really love the voiceover. Ah, oh, well. I know you're not supposed to. Cause no, of... <laughs> well, I, I think what you loved was probably, you know, Baldwin's phrases in the voiceover. They're, they're great. It's beautiful. They're great. Phrases, you know, and it's you know, beautifully written. Uh, but they're not beautifully read. And I actually, and I just didn't I'm not like... Sure I agree with that. Okay. Uh, what, I re- what I really love, it's, nar- it's narrated by um, Tish, the girl. Yes. And I found her reading of that quite stilted. Um, I didn't find it stilted. I, mean, I guess it might have been better, but what I loved was that... Um, I mean, I didn't question it for a second, and particularly when she's narrating in the flashbacks and, and the, when they're really in the throes of love, um, it's, it's, it's partly the narration and it's partly the way it's shot as well, and partly just the, partly the writing and you know, actually what happens, that, that you can feel completely why she loves and desires him. Sure. You know, I fell in love with the guy almost. Like I, well, I have I have things to say about that, you know, <laughs> and particularly in comparison to Moonlight, because actually it seems that Barry Jenkins can only film, you know, kind of uh, a man as an object of desire, and there's almost like a homosexual gaze in this film where you know there's an alibi of heterosexuality, you know, that permits him to look at, you know, his protagonist kind of with all the love and desire and feeling that you know he didn't permit in the in the last sequence of that's, moonlight that, that, that is, that's an interesting point i mean because i know you have problems with the end of moonlight um uh with that in that regard and you're right there is there, there is there is a way that that um alonso is shot in this as an object of desire that nobody else is mm. you know but i think it is getting into tish's head like yes. you understand completely why she desires him. But I, I'm thinking particularly of the scene, the first scene that you see with Diego Luna, the restaurant uh, yes. owner, and uh, and also they're very much in love in the restaurant, and and um, and the way that she looks at him, kind of admiringly and longingly, and that's kind of when they're when she uh, isn't that basically their first date or so, because that's when he invites her back to to his place. Um, so like that's kind of where their relationship turns from a friendship into a romantic relationship, um, and like I just I, I wanted to cry in that scene. I thought it was beautiful. Mm. Um, yes, I think, and it's about how she looks at him and the way he holds her hand and and that sort of thing. Well, I think all of that was beautiful, um, and I didn't mind it being spelled out through the narration, partly because the narration is so beautifully written, as you mm. say. I didn't mind how it was read, I, you know, and that's, I guess, just a difference well, between us. And I just don't mind that kind of being spelled out sometimes. Like, sometimes it's nice, it's just to, to hear her telling her story of, of you know, um, well, why she loves him. I, uh, I, think, I think it's very nice to see, you know, um, a black man being filmed as beautiful and to have that look on it be filtered, you know, not only through desire... But a kind of love, so it's not just this fetishization or something. It is kind of infused with feeling, and I thought that was very lovely um, to see. So that aspect I liked very much. Uh, I liked some of the interplay. You know, the the the, the interplay between the two fathers was just lovely. Mm. Um, I love Regina King. She had like kind of a kind of a fierce honesty, really, that comes across. That's just beautiful. Um, so, so all of that I liked. I didn't like the central performance um, by um, the one of, of Tish. Yeah, Kiki Lane. Yeah, I thought it was it was too. She's a little mannered. Bad. Yeah, and kind of still stiff, really. Um, 
So, and actually, it was very interesting because as soon as uh, was it Terry Brian Terry Henry Brian Terry Henry appears is again he gives the you know he sends the film into the stratosphere. It's like you feel you know here is this person <laughs> you know kind of lighting up the screen with feeling. Rather than you know all these kind of stiff, self-conscious gazes and long, yeah, it's kind of it feels like something human explodes. You know, as soon as his, he appears. his to me is the best performance uh, in the film. Yes, by some distance, he's got he's got one of the meatier roles. I would say, even though it's a it's a supporting role that he shows up for basically a scene. Mm. Um, but he um, he he's an old friend of Alonso's, and he shows up at his place, um, or, or bumps into him in the street, and. Um, they come back for a few drinks, and while they're drinking and chatting and joking, he then reveals that he's been in prison for two years for something that he didn't do. Uh, stealing a car, he says, I don't even know how to drive. And then he talks about what he's gone through in prison. Well, doesn't, does he doesn't talk about it in any detail, but he, he talks... He, it's clear that his experience has changed him um, and affected him quite deeply. And just that scene of the two men talking, there's something about just watching people talking, you know, like it's the most cinematic thing in a way. Like ultimately every film has to come down to it at some point, just two people having a chat and how do you film it and how do you, how do you, how does it feel? And, you know, the way it's shot is with these, these, these kind of singles that pan across from one character back to the other very slowly and it just, or, 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 if the characters are in a two shot, it'll be one will be in the background and one will be in the foreground, and then they'll rack focus between the two at just the mm. right time. Mm. They're, they're beautifully shot to kind of direct your attention, and and Brian Tyree Henry is again so full of feeling and emotional honesty and transparency. He's he's fantastic. He's amazing. Um, uh, and also, I also very much liked uh, Ed's crime. Yeah, he plays this cop who initially kind of threatens uh, um, Alonso uh, and who uh, later seems to be involved in the rape. It's the same cop, isn't it? Yeah, so, um, I think what the... It, it's it's slightly slightly subtextual or, or off-screen, um, but um, basically there's a, an altercation in a grocery store where this guy comes on to um, uh, Tish quite heavily and Alonso... Uh, throws him off and throws him into the street into a pile of rubbish the cop comes up sees you know and then basically because of this slight argument that goes on between the two of them that he's a and also that he's basically a racist cop whose who's, uh, authority has been questioned Alonso has the target on his back mm. so then you know what happens off screen because you don't see any of the of, of the incident the rape that leads to Alonso being um, mm. uh, jailed but clearly he's been included in the lineup. Yes, because this cop seemed, put him there. Yeah, basically put him there. Put him anyway, in the lineup. Instead. The case about the rape is made to seem a complete injustice, right? Mm-hmm. So you know they they explain how it just could not possibly have happened, right? So that and it's important that that be clear, right? Because kind of one of the things the film is doing is just kind of showing systematic racism in all its aspects. And one of the things about that scene in particular it ties in to a whole theme that Baldwin has, which is, you know, kind of that black men in America are not allowed to be men. They're just like the basic things, you know, that men are expected to do, like get a job, or, you know, protect their family, blah, blah, blah. You know, kind of they can't do. So that whole scene then becomes about him being angry at her because she's protecting him that, yeah, kind of in the face of the law, he's rendered helpless, mm-hmm. you know. So, and I thought that was great, actually. I thought that was, that was... um 
that was very beautifully filmed and and Ed Scrine is filmed through kind of what looks like a slightly out of focus camera in quite large close ups right and he's really menacing he's got this you know? terribly angular face yeah yeah it's all, so yeah. so that sense of menace and so on is kind of rendered very beautifully i think in the film um there are many things that i love actually so you know kind of that that last visit in the jail where actually you know you know that uh, uh alonso is going to lose just because almost he dissolves from view in jail, right? So I kind of rather than cut onto the no next scene, this kind of like this wavy dissolve of just yeah of 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 his torso. Um, it is you know it does it does it does strive for the poetic, and it does succeed, uh, but it lacks for me it lacks a kind of a, a liveness and a fluidity. I think that the kind of striving for the poetic is, um, it can be a bit misleading just just because I think what that phrase makes you think of is kind of hidden meanings or like encoded meanings. I think what it's really about is feeling, kind of feeling your way through through images, um, well, and and that I think is what the film is is really really good at. And well, I think I think what I'm saying as being like yeah. striving for the poetic is, of course, you know, a condensation of feeling. That is what poetry does. Yeah. I don't, uh, um, you know, uh, um, but I also think you, you need to be able to understand that that's what that is, that, yeah. you know, a dissolve of him in jail actually means something, you know. Um, so, uh, uh, to, you know, to me, the two are one and the same, but obviously kind of, you know, the the... The intent is to kind of evoke feeling for sure. Yeah. Um, so and it does that. Uh, the film, um, yeah. But I do think it's very self-conscious. You you know there's a purpose behind each choice, right? Um, which isn't as a good thing, um, but it's making you aware that there's a purpose behind this choice, which for me is not a good thing. Mm. Agree to disagree. Well, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you like it. More. I, I, honestly, um, a, a film like this, like, um, absolutely has the potential to feel just interminable to me. Mm. You know, so often they can, and um, and that's just not well, not where I went with this at all. I just I felt like I got its well, I tempo we, immediately. And, I think we might not be as far off as you're making out yeah. because you know I was very moved throughout. Um, you know, and and I found many much of it very beautiful in fact uh, and certainly the cinematographer deserves a prize I mean it's a very beautifully shot film um, so so all of that I kind of you know I liked very much um, I just feel that it's 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 stiff mm. um, do you prefer it to Moonlight? well um I do prefer to Moonlight, actually, uh, because I, I think for me in Moonlight, there was a big lie at the end of it, you know, um, so, and, and I don't think there's any of that here, right? Um, so, I mean, the whole thing about Moonlight, you know, about this young man who's a pimp and, you know, blah, blah, and, you know, who, who's, who's still a virgin and, you know, in his mid-twenties, I just couldn't believe a second of that. And I thought it was a, a cop-out. It was a... a, a uh, an unwillingness to kind of show 
gay man in the same way that he's showing, you know, he could have showed exactly the same thing that he shows this young straight couple doing in this film, you know, and it would have been beautiful, but, you know, kind of nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I thought to me that spoke of fear. Uh, uh, so, you know, the film kind of was being praised for being brave and, you know, and so on. And actually I thought that was cowardly to, to not provide that in the, in the final scene of Moonlighting. Uh, it's certainly kind of very much on display here in a very beautiful way, you know, um, uh, which which is lovely to see. Um, I prefer this to Moonlight as well, although I haven't seen Moonlight since it came out. Mm. And I, I remember finding the last third of Moonlight essentially dull. Um, it wasn't until you brought up your issues with the end of it that I mm. decided I would share those. Um, but I, because I hadn't really thought about that. But um, I, remember, I remember the first two sections of that film enjoying enormously and thinking they were brilliant yes so i must I, go back and watch that again yes um but this throughout just just captured me it reminded me of widows in some ways you know particularly the structure the the, the flashback oh that's interesting jumping to the flashbacks because widows does a similar thing okay um, well i can see the comparison to widows because for me both films are films by kind of real filmmakers you know and actually as you know my feeling is that film it works at its best as a poetic medium yeah yeah, that it's kind of, it's got 90 minutes to two hours and it's creating a world and it's telling a story and it's commenting on a world and a story, you know, and it's got to condense everything that it does, right, to evoke it. So, and this, you know, both Widows and this film clearly do that, you know, and they know how to do it, right? Like, kind of, you know, they're, 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 they're real filmmakers, you know, and kind of real poets of imagery, really. Mm -hmm. I know this is going to turn off probably whoever the few people that are listening to us, but you know because you hear poetry in cinema and people flee, right? But actually, that's what it is. That's what it is, and that's where it's at its greatest. Uh, and kind of very, very few. You know, we were comparing. We were talking the other day about Green Room, Green Book, Green Book. You know, well, you know that wouldn't that wouldn't know poetry if it bit it in the ass. It kind of it hardly knows that film is a visual medium. You know, yeah, kind of yeah. all of the comedy comes from kind of character and situation and dialogue, right? Like kind of you... you know, and actually, that's the success of this film in a way because because it comes from a book and from such an acclaimed writer and and because the writing is so beautiful when it, when it, is, when it comes through in this film, when it is used kind mm. of directly and because there is so much that is dialogue heavy in this film, mm. um, it's, I think it's a, a huge... Um, kind of success or, or it's hugely kind of praiseworthy mm. that it is so um, kind of beautifully put together as a as a visual piece of work you it know is. that like That's... it could be just so writerly and stayed yes. and I know what you're saying uh, you know I accept what you're saying about it being about you feeling that it's um, uh, stiff here and there but you know it could have been I mean it, Imagine if, imagine if Peter Farrelly had directed it. Yes, exactly. No, no, <laughs> yeah. no. I mean, kind of, you know. Um, yeah, I want, I want to underline that. You know that I, I was very moved uh, through through much of it, and it is very beautiful, and it has very beautiful moments. Actually, you know, some things, you know, that I think I'll remember for quite a while. So, you know, I'm not dismissing it. It's not a kind, a kind of a piece of crap cinema. It's, it's, it's like moonlighting it, to me in a way. Moonlight. Moonlight, in the sense that they're almost great works, but to me there's something lacking in both of them. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that, that it's not quite there, really. So, you know, uh, uh, so that's kind of a different perspective on it. I, you know, I can, I can see why people are praising it. I understand. 
And yet I think there are some elements that I wish would have been more alive in the film. Well, that's kind yeah. of what I was saying a little bit before. I think I went off my own point about, um, about the title having this kind of uh, uh, all-encompassing objective to represent, to, to suggest that it represents this kind of huge uh, 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 variety of, of kind of black experience and it can't possibly. And, and one of the things that, that, as you say, misses out on is anger. There isn't this sense of anger towards the system. Um, there is a sense of, as I said, sort of coping and resistance, and just and just kind of Acceptance. doing your best and getting through yeah. however you can, um, which is a different way of doing it. But like, it's not you know, the, it, it is a, something that is um, just kind of individual to this story. Um, but uh, there's uh, there is less there is there is some variety of like it's not just about Tish and Alonzo. It involves the families as well, and actually you get these scenes where they're not even involved at all. And it is about it's about the dads, or it's about the mum going to Puerto Rico to track down the woman and speak to her. Mm. That was an interest. That was I thought that was an interesting scene because there's a whole there's something unstated in there, or maybe not even kind of realised at all about um, you know the film is all about kind of uh, racism and systemic injustice against African Americans. But um, what about the uh, the Puerto Rican woman who? Um, you know, I mean, still, Puerto Rico is, is is not a state, and there are people who want it to be and people who don't want it to be. But like, then they had that uh, awful uh, hurricane mm. a couple of years ago, and no help at all, mm. and that sort of thing. And like, they're not being looked after. They are a, is it a territory of America. Yes, it's it's um, it's, it's considered a, a part of America, it, but I think it's a it's not a state. It's a territory. Yeah, or, exactly. Um, um, so like, they should whatever. be being looked after, basically, and they're not. And and um, and obviously, um, well, they are American. Yes. yes. And, and obviously racism against uh, Hispanic and Latino people is as hot a topic yes. today, you know, in, in the kind of Trump era as it ever has been. And um, so it seemed to me there was something uh, kind of unrealised maybe in the film about like a, like a certain commonality that there could have been or, or maybe a difference between the, 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 um, the mother and... The Puerto Rican woman in the kind of way they feel they're Actually, treated. I, I think I, I'm not sure if I disagree with you or if we're getting to the same thing from mm. different parts because I think the film again, you know, I admire it for doing it this, but it also felt too artificial. So you know, the film is trying to contextualize race within other oppressed groups in America, whilst kind of acknowledging that there are differences amongst them, right? So, you know, you're, you're very blatantly shown that the person who actually does consent to renting them uh, a, a living space is a Jew, right? Kind of, you know, mm. you, you, um, that's almost the first thing that you see about the landlord is that he's a Jew because you see... You the, see his cap, you see him from behind, you see his cap right. on his head. So, you know, and then of course, and, and then you have the Puerto Rican and you know you have the the Diego Luna character, yeah, and yeah. yeah. So it's kind of, and yet the Puerto Rican woman is white, right? Which they could have had, you know, a yeah. black Puerto Rican, right? So, so you could see that all of these things have been thought through to make a point, really. Mm. Um, so, and I kind of, um, I I I appreciated that kind of um, very much about the film. Uh, um, well, I suppose the point I was kind of getting to, to about the Puerto Rican woman in particular is that um, I, I think it's something that the film could broach, and I don't think it does. But then I'm not sure if I would want it to or not. In a way, like, I don't know if I would want that. To, I don't know if that maybe would bring up something else that would distract from from other things the film is doing. 
I don't know. So I just kind of I, I'm, br- I'm bringing it up very kind of vaguely, really. The film has um, things, but it's just something that occurred to me. The thing has films that it raises and it lets linger, and you always and that's one of the great things about it actually that you always feel there's a backstory and a social context and a history to each of the characters, right? So, for example, the Puerto Rican woman, she went to New York with this guy and then they had three children and then he left her. Mm-hmm. And then, you th- you know, I had this feeling, well, what happened to her? Was she a prostitute? You know, how is she supporting these three kids? Mm-hmm. She, you know, she moved to a poor neighborhood, you know, a, a derelict neighborhood. So, you know, kind of the film... Suggests yeah. all of that. Right? He's a white guy, isn't he? The the, the husband. I think, yeah. Doesn't the film say so? Yeah, that's right. So, uh, so the, I think the film describes it, or the narration describes it as having pumped three kids out of her, yes. and then split. Yeah. yeah. So so so, the film is very good at kind of, you know, just creating characters in a way that suggests a world uh, that they belong. It does so also, you know, with the lady who runs the shop who comes out to defend them. Mm. Um, it does so with the Jewish landlord. Um, it even does so with a white lawyer. Yeah? yeah, kind of. You get their world. You get kind of glimpses into their social relations. I mean, that, actually, that's a that's that's quite an achievement. Really, <laughs> yeah, is, you yeah. know, to to be able to do all of that. So, um, so I think I think the film does a lot about kind of conveying, you know, uh, a multi-layered, complex kind of uh, evocation of structural racism in America. I think it does. You know, the the thing that's missing is kind of um, both anger and pushback. Hmm. You know, some political pushback or... Yeah. Know, I guess or, that's just saying... I can, to- I, I can see why that... that, that what, uh, I can see how that is an omission of a sort, but I think it's also something that I didn't miss. I think... I just felt it, maybe it's not necessary in every kind of version of, of these stories and... Um, I didn't feel like anyone's response to what they were going through was unrealistic. Put it that way. Like there could have been more anger, but I believed in everyone's response and it, and everyone's kind of way of handling things. I think there could have been more anger in um, the main male protagonist. And actually, there was a suggestion in jail he could have let rip. You know, he mm. certainly deserved to. We we felt you know he would have earned the right to do so. And it was always kind of muted. You felt his pain, you know. Yeah, what I actually, what I would have liked to have seen more of is um, the difference in experience. That w- being in jail and being outside of jail, caring for someone in jail are very different things. Mm. And being in jail, you do get a, a sense of things are awful for him in there, and he kind of expresses that to uh, Tish. Well, but sometimes it's you not see him ex- with with black yeah, eyes. You and, see him having been like attacked in yeah. a fight at one point. But you're right that it is too unstated. It's too tamped down. You're right on that. Um, oh, I'm right on many things. What do you mean you're right on that? <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I think that's a good point. You know, like I, 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 when I say I believe in, in in everyone, I do. But that is that is something that could have been better. That the that he does express anger just the one point he kind of lashes out slightly when they're, they're having visitation and um, and he basically kind of says you don't know what it's like in here but it's a moment mm. it, it could have been more I yes. think you're right about that um, 
the, the, the point I was making just before about widows, the, the, the commonality, I think there were probably a few, but the one that particularly occurred to me during the film was within the flashback structure, because widows does something similar with um, with the flashback. Uh, Viola Davis's character remembering the life that she had with Liam Neeson and their son. Um, the difference, I suppose, the 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 kind of most concrete difference is that, um, that those flashbacks go back a long way. Those go back several years. Whereas in this, it's kind of it's over the past few years up until mm. basically uh, the night of um, the rape that he wasn't there for, but uh, kind of um, was jailed over. Um, so that so that there's a there's a way in which that these films both handle memory and kind of the way it impacts on who we are today and the way we are today. I think Widows does it more so um, because it, in in that film memories are things that linger, whereas in this film they're kind of the, the past is very active, like it's still happening now. Mm. Um, I don't know that just kind of slightly occurred to me. Also, what occurred to me was the difference in in character between Brian Tyree Henry and this. This is why I said to you in the car on the way back that I think he can play anything. I think he has limitless range, Brian Tyree Henry, because yes. he is so threatening in that film, in Widows, and he is so sympathetic and heartfelt and cuddly mm. <laughs> in this, and you just want to hug the guy for mm. what he's been through. He can play anything. The guy's amazing. I think um, there were there were some. Um, things in the film or some people in the film um, that I thought were just fantastic actually so the other uh, people that I want to bring here is uh, Coman Domingo who plays the father who mm. plays uh, Tish's father you know and I just thought in another world in another country that man would have been a star because you know when he appears he's also very magnetic right yeah. kind of you know, you're paying attention to everything he does and he kind of brings a kind of humor and humanity and a kind of a niceness really yeah yeah to to and, and a kind of a, a niceness within a, you know a knowledge of how the world works that the world is unfair and you know but a niceness it's funny you uh, say that because i recognize him from the butler where he plays the guy who is in charge of all the staff at the White House, oh. and he does like what you just said is basically what he does in there. Where he's got very, he's got a very small role in that film, oh. but it's where um, you remembered him. I do remember but, him. Uh, there are a lot of people in this I recognise from just one thing or something else. Yes, um, and he was one of them. He has this kind of world weariness, sense of humour, but also just a knowledge of everything. Like he's he's not in charge of the White House staff for nothing sort of thing. Mm. I, I I think that's, it's great. Like the fact the fact that he kind of identify him as bringing the same thing to this. Mm. It's great. I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful. Um, it's a film that I want to see again. Yeah, so do I. You know, so so that's 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 kind of a compliment. You know, I kind of there are things um, that that I'd like to kind of work out better. So, you know, kind of one of the things that we should do maybe is um, see Moonlight again and, and then go see this again. Yeah, that's probably an idea. Um, um, who else to bring up? Um, Emily Rios as, as um, Victoria Rogers, the woman who uh, was raped. Yes. Um, again, kind of, she, she she has a kind of starring moment. I recognise her again from uh, Breaking Bad, where she plays the girlfriend ah. in that. And um, and actually, the scene that she shares with Regina King, you know, is it's a really interesting one. That whole that whole sequence where Regina King goes to Puerto Rico and actually she meets um, uh, what's his name. Um, Pedro Pascal, yes, who's uh, Who the bro love. brother or husband or yeah. of, the, of, the, of the girl. And he's very good in this, um, in a very different way, because normally like, he's so charismatic and he gives kind of star 
performances and even minor roles, really, you know. But kind of in this one, he's like washed away and, you know, um, uninvolved. And, you know, he really kind of manages to create a character out of just like basically like, you know, a, a scene, really. If, well, he's there that. to try and push her away, isn't he? He's yeah. there to try and deny that because like, cause what the girl has gone through is, is so traumatic that you know, he he wants to protect her from having to relive it basically to yes. to, to help um, to help Regina King out and also Regina King's there to get helped out and, and make her relive it if she has to mm. um, and and his performance as kind of he's constantly not looking at her to the point where eventually she says look at me look me in the eye mm. and he does but just for a second and then he has to look back and his the, the, the there's so much detail in his facial performance. Yes. And that scene which is beautiful. Well, I think that whole scene is very beautiful because basically what we see is um, we see her go to Puerto Rico and then when she goes out of the plane, it's almost like it's another world and she's kind of another person. Mm. So actually, it's not just somebody getting off the plane now. It's like almost like a rich American getting off the plane or something, right? Mm. She's dressed differently. She's... You know, she looks elegant and so on. And then there's that whole scene in her hotel room where she's trying to decide whether to put a wig on or not to put a wig on, right? If kind of, if she puts a wig on, kind of the hair, you know, is less nappy, right? And yeah, so kind of you can see that there's there's this whole discussion of how she's going to present herself to this other woman. Yeah. Right? And actually that has a whole racial dimension. So, you know, if she... Yeah, is she going to fit into Puerto Rico better, or you know, or does she kind of um, highlight the distance? Um, I thought, you know, I'm not sure. I quite. I get... found that scene really hard to read. Right. And I think every. I think there's so much about. Um, uh, this will sound incredibly ignorant, but there's so much around uh, black people and black people's hair yes. that I just don't understand. And. Um, you know, I know that you're not allowed to to, to touch it. Mm. <laughs> but black women get really sick of that. People go, "No, oh, I love your hair," and just touching it immediately. Mm. Like I, I don't know why people. That's just awful. I don't know why people would do that. But um, I know there's a whole kind of culture around it. I remember when I saw Creed, and then I was reading about the scene in which, um, uh, I forget the character's name, but the guy and the girl are um, on the beds and they're chatting, and he's just kind of braiding her hair, absentmindedly. And I didn't really pay any particular attention to that but mm. I saw this whole article which was about how wonderful that scene was about mm. how important that is in kind of black culture and that she pays attention to her hair and this sort of thing and I thought well there's so much here that I just don't understand and I'm not sure that I ever will and I think it's kind of going on in this scene as well with, the, yes. with there's a there's a long time taken over putting her hair up into the into the hairnet to keep it in place and then putting the wig on then deciding that it's not right and taking it back off And but then when you see her you see her with a wig yeah 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 so it's come back on um so yeah, there's there's that whole discussion of self presentation, uh, and in you know self presentation in a culture where she is now another as well, right? And she's treated differently, like just you know kind of. Uh, I mean, initially when she walks into the restaurant, there's someone who comes and talks to her, and I, I'm thinking, is this going to be something about her not being allowed in, or you know? And then kind of, but then she's led through the restaurant, right? And you know, and you, then again you think, oh. Are they taking her to the back? Like, you have all these paradigms of reading these things, right? Um, that you have to kind of readjust as you're watching it, really. Mm -hmm. You know, so I thought all that was, 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 was reverberated. Yeah, there's kind of, there's, there's stuff there, you know, kind of. Yeah. Um, the similar thing, I think, was going on, although it's maybe a bit more obvious, in the scene where um, uh, T 
uh, Tish is harassed by the guy in the grocery store and, and mm. Alonzo throws him out and then the cop shows up because um, you kind of go like... the, the uh, First you have the thing of she can't... The, the guy who's who's harassing her is white. Mm. I think he might be like Italian-American, but he's white and mm. so that there's a dis- there's a difference there that, that she really has no power to um, to kind of come back him. She's a woman and she's black and that's just two places below, mm. you know. Um, and then when he... Uh, throws the guy out into the streets and like before the cop shows up I know that a cop is going to show up and see that like I know that, that all of a sudden it's going to look different from a different angle yeah that's, a, that's a very beautiful moment and actually as I said that is you know one of the the ideas that Baldwin constantly mined you know which was about black masculinity you know because on the one hand you know it's what America's afraid of you know on the other hand you know this argument that you know, black men aren't allowed to be men in quotation marks in a society that's structurally racist and will not prevent them from doing that. So, you know, then again, when she puts her body over his to protect him. So, yeah. you know, I thought that was all, and you know, and then that it's the old lady, right, who comes and rescues both of them, mm. right? Because also, I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I thought, you know, well, she's probably a first-generation immigrant who was kind of, you know, kicked out of some shuttle in <laughs> Czechoslovakia or something. Do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah, yeah, that, you know, you get the sense of these are people who've kind of known oppression and who've had a hard time, yeah, but and who are aware of these differences and how they can turn, you know. Yeah. Well, it also uh, reminded me of that scene of um, the end of Get Out. Uh, well, I think Get Out did it more successfully, and I suppose spoilers for the end of Get Out. Um, but at the, at the very, very end, when he uh, gets out... And he's um, being chased down by by the girl. Um, I forget exactly how it goes, but but hasn't he shot her with a shotgun? Basically, or he's standing there with a shotgun, and she's on the ground bleeding. Mm. And um, and then you hear sirens. You hear police sirens. And I remember watching that, and my heart just just tightening, like oh god, because mm. all of a sudden this kind of very weird horror movie has turned into something completely real, mm. where you go, this is going to look fucking awful mm. <laughs> from the cop. From the cop's point of view, and then of course the film uh, lets you up, and actually it turns out that it's his friend who has mm. come to rescue him. So you know it, it lets you away with that. But um, I think it has a similar thing. I think it works a lot better in Get Out. Um, but um, you know, whereas in here it's kind of, I suppose it's a little bit more signposted anyway, because you know that something has to have happened to to uh, put Alonso in this position as it is. It's this kind of one. It's it's in this film. It's the one time that you had to get on the wrong side of just the wrong cop. For him to ruin your life, and that's that's as easy as it is. Mm. Um, anyway, all right. Um, well, uh, as we said, we we you know, well, I have more problems with the film than Mike does. Mm. However, you know, we both think that it's kind of good enough um, to revisit, right? So, which happens very rarely. I mean, it's maybe only about five times a year that we think, oh, this film is so great that we're going to you know see it again. So. Um, it's, I think it's a really, really great film, and the second time I shall, I shall be bearing all of your um, reservations in mind. Well, thank you. And um, but I, I'll, but you know, I'll probably like it more just to spite you. Well, you know, I hope I like it more. That's there were the times intent. I wanted to cry. Really, I felt I, I mean, I can't underestimate, can't overestimate, can't misestimate the what I think is a really, really rich depth of feeling in there. I, I, I agree. And, you know, and, you know, I, I kind of, I was, 
what's the word? Not on the verge of tears or something, but you know, like kind of you, where you you're getting almost a bit wet. Yeah, you know, like kind welling of, up. Well, you're just feeling it without actually it having a physical manifestation, but you're yes. you're on the verge of it. And actually, I think the film sustains that tone almost throughout. You know, with me, like yeah, I, I, think, I was very moved by it all. And it finds you know. it finds real beauty in places where I remember the one shot which really struck me, which was again of a face. I mean, he just he films faces so beautifully, um, which is in that scene where they're playing at uh, what the pla- what the what their home will look like once they've yes. picked it out. And there's a, uh, there's light coming through these huge windows in what this is basically a warehouse. This place, um, and they're playing at you know picking up a fridge or whatever, mm. and then you see Tish against the window and light is streaming through against yes. her hair and yeah. it lights her just kind of in just in the right way and she says oh you know okay thank you for the fridge but now go and pick up the stove yes. and oh god it's, a, it's just such a beautiful beautiful image and it comes from nowhere yes you know yes I mean yeah I it's worth it for its own sake I think. yeah that was all a pleasure to see and actually I also loved all the you know all the clothes right because um you see, you see these people kind of looking really beautiful, all in different ways. And actually not like Vogue beautiful or fetish beautiful. It's almost like the, the you know, the beauty of ordinary people, really. Mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, this has some fantastically good looking people. But also you see that, yeah, it's what you were saying about faces. He finds the beauty in people, you know. And in some scenes, you know, Tish looked like a goddess, right? And in others, she looked like a shy teenager, right? And mm-hmm. kind of, you know, um, but kind of, you know, he, it, it is very, it's a very, it's a very visually beautiful film. Yes, it is. Astonishingly beautiful. And actually, I wish it had been projected on celluloid. It's the first time I've thought this in ages, mm. but, you, but it was projected digitally and it looked very beautiful and crisp, but you can tell that had it been projected on celluloid, the, the darkness in the, the, the shadows and the blacks would have, been even richer like there was the thing is when you project digitally even black kind of shows up it lights mm. a little bit and that's kind of disappointing I all I remember is when I saw um, Seven uh, the David Fincher mm. film when it was projected on film they brought back a bunch of films um, at Cineworld a couple of years ago and I saw Seven and projected on celluloid it was incredible because it's basically pitch black the whole way through yeah. and the it's kind of beautiful. contrast is incredible had this been shown that way it would have been even more beautiful to look at and it's kind of a shame that it wasn't it was just the slightest bit sort of hazy when it needed to have been I think mm. but that's the problem with the projection than, than the, the, the way it's um, that's also really filmed. nitpicking my god of course it's nitpicking but, but actually <laughs> like, the film is so beautiful that that, that made me think of that no that's you good know, made me think of that nitpick that's very good so there you go <laughs> yeah. alright so yeah no it's, it's really really good and um, I'm looking forward to seeing it a second time and, yes. and we'll watch Moonlight in the meantime because um, we should revisit it's, when's the last time you saw it um, not for a while maybe a year or two yeah, yeah since I, when it came out I saw it several times uh, maybe three in fact um, but not since then yeah okay no, so. so we'll revisit that as well okay Righto. Uh, well, uh, this is eavesdropping on the movies. Thank you very much for listening. We are on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, and uh, YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter, and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>